The following program is furnished by Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. It's for basic entertainment and informational purposes only and is solely responsible for its content. It does not necessarily reflect the views of Cumulus Media, its management, or its staff. AM 790 Talk and Business presents Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Waterfire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And hello, 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 everybody. Happy Thursday. And you know what? We're going into that nice, beautiful, long weekend, Labor Day weekend. And we've got a water fire happening on Sunday. A very exciting water fire and a really incredible show today. I am so um, privileged and blessed to have with me uh, Barnaby Evans, the creator of Water Fire, because not only is it a Labor Day weekend fire happening on a Sunday, which is so very rare, um, we're actually doing something very important uh, considering all of the events that are happening in our world and in our nation today. Um, we are going to be having a gathering and we're going to recognize the importance of the Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial and uh, a lot of other groups. And I'm going to let Barnaby uh, speak to that. We've got an incredible lineup of guests that we'll be speaking with today so there's a lot of information that's going to get packed in I also have sitting here at the table with me the Reverend Dr. Richard Dannenfelser um, who has been one well, he was the uh, gosh chaplain of Brown University um, but also has been huge in the civil rights movement since the 60s marched with Dr. King uh, there are letters in the JFK library uh, that went back and forth between Martin Luther King and Dr. Dan and Felser, or Reverend Dan and Felser, often known as the Rock and Rev. Um, but with further ado, uh, I would like to say, hey, Barnaby, thanks for taking the time out and uh, and being here with me today. I'm so happy to be here, Brahman. This is an important subject, and it's a great opportunity to raise a, something we need to talk about as a community. Yeah, raise some awareness. And, and Richard, thank you for joining us as well. Yes, and can I just add, my dear, uh, that I have been back and forth uh, as a um, federal government uh, consultant to Char Charlottesville in the last week. So... Sure. Great. So you know, you can, uh, Rich, you just need to speak into that microphone a little bit more. Yes, dear. Okay, there we are. So, Barnaby, what? Um, let's talk about what's happening this weekend. Well, as we all know, the nation has been watching an ongoing debate about how one deals with community civic unity and bigotry and hatred, and it's important for us to make a larger statement about how we as a community feel about those things. And Charlottesville really brought many of these things to immediate attention of everyone. And it seemed one remembers that Martin Neumoyler poem about how, you know, first they came for the communists and I wasn't a communist, etc. We need to uh, hang together um, or surely we will be hung separately. And this larger idea of how the community feels about hatred and engagement is a very important thing to do. And the um, preeminent memorial down at Waterfire where one could start discussing these issues is the Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial, which has been, um, been in Providence for about a year and a half. And Waterfire has been very privileged to be able to bring attention to that. And we've got uh, Adam Greenman here from the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island, who's the president and CEO, the new president and CEO. And I think he can join us. Adam, are you here? Adam, are you on the line? We'll, we'll, we'll find Adam. But um, the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island was the principal organization 
behind the idea of the necessity of creating a memorial in Providence, which really harkens back to Roger Williams' original principles of founding Providence as a haven for all those persecuted for reasons of conscience. And the memorial is right there in Memorial Park near the World War Memorial. And uh, next to the World, War the World War Memorial, the World War II Memorial, and the Korean War Memorial um, between North Main and the river, um, right near College Street. And we're asking everyone in Rhode Island who believes that a community can come together and hold issues of justice and tolerance and um, faith uh, as important in the community to come join us at the Holocaust Memorial. And it's, there's going to be no speaking program. We're just going to be gathering to show support and solidarity for these issues of engaged inclusion of everyone. And it, because it is, it, it's an anniversary, right? It, it was just last year. that it Was it actually on Labor Day weekend that they... Um, it, it's been about a year and uh, of even more uh, specificity. They just recently added to the memorial the names of some Rhode Island Holocaust survivors who whose names are now on the memorial. You know, the great news is I just heard that, Adam, you're on the line. I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, excellent. Sorry <laughs> about the... Uh, I think we just got disconnected. So, oh, no uh, worries. I'm glad to be here. Thank you all so much for having me. Well, thank you. I'm going to let Barnaby um, be the lead on the, talking about, you know, the, what's going on uh, with the, you know, the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island and uh, speak well, to you about what we're trying to do here. On well, this. Adam, you were the, the recently um, positioned new president and CEO of the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island. So congratulations. Welcome Thank to the you. larger community. I know you've been in Rhode Island for some time, but welcome to this new position. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here, and, and it, this is just a phenomenal organization to be a part of, to, to you know, be a leader of, and, um, you know, I think couldn't have started at a more poignant time in our, in our society, in our culture. I, you know, I heard you all talking a little bit before I joined the call, before I joined the conversation, and, uh, you know, these are, these are trying times, and, um, you know, so it's, it's, it was already an exciting uh, position to be taking, and I think it's it's more relevant now than ever. And, and the issue is people forgetting or glossing over or pretending this didn't exist, which is why a physical memorial downtown was so important. Exactly. I think, you know, and again, I've been here uh, a month today, and um, but have been involved and, and know from that our staff worked really hard with the community as a whole. Um, there was a real desire from uh, survivors and from the larger Jewish community that we really needed a physical space uh, to remember the Holocaust, not just for our community, but for the larger community, that we really needed to live into the idea that we can never forget the atrocities that happened during World War II, uh, not only to Jews, but to so many folks. Uh, you know, the, the Nazis tried to exterminate many groups of people. Jews are certainly the, the largest group that was affected, but we can never forget the fact that um, this kind of hatred and bigotry was able to exist, and we need to work hard uh, as a society today to make sure that we send a reminder to the community that um, this kind of hatred and bigotry is unacceptable, that neo-Nazism, that white supremacy is not okay, it's, it's not acceptable, and, um, you know, it's so heartening. Um, you know, we had, a, I'm sure you've already talked about it, Barnaby, but we had an event uh, down at the memorial this Monday to unveil names of those Holocaust survivors that sought refuge uh, here in Rhode Island. 
and it was so wonderful to see so many members of the Rhode Island community as a whole come out and um, support that event and to hear the stories of some of the survivors of the Holocaust, um, to hear their stories and to hear their message of why we can never forget. And um, it's so nice to see uh, such an outpouring from the entire community to say that you know, we won't tolerate this kind of hatred and bigotry. And, and the importance here is it was that silence that may have allowed this to have happened 70 years ago. Absolutely. And, and that, we, you yeah. know, uh, you, you referred to the poem earlier, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, silence is an enemy here. And mm-hmm. we need to be vocal about the fact that um, these things happened. It's why I'm really proud that, you know, our state legislature and our governor put into place a genocide education bill last year to make sure that people um, – have to study or required it's part of the study before you graduate from school that you uh you must learn about uh genocide as a whole and the holocaust specifically um because we need to teach these lessons that um we can't be silent we must speak up and we we must work together to address um to to address the root causes of where this comes from and to just you know let it be known that it's unacceptable. You know, if I can, sure. not, not so much interject, but share that um, being a Calvinist from the Bronx and also a Vietnam veteran who went to Vietnam as Darth Vader and came back as a um, warrior for peace. Mm. But um, being a Calvinist in the Bronx basically means we should, uh, we are never far away from evil. And the way that evil flourishes is for just one of us to remain silent. Exactly right. Yeah, I, I think that's we, so We ought to be loudly thinking. And I just came back from, uh, as I mentioned before, from Charlottesville for any number of times in the last week. And uh, fascism, neo-Nazism, is real. And it's Absolutely. Not, it's, not far, it's not far from us. And revisionism. And we all need to come together and support the Jewish Alliance for this memorial Absolutely. and also for the Sandra Bornstein Holocaust Education Center. Um, Adam, that music coming up is letting us know we need to to transition, but we sure. are going to be talking about that legislation in the next segment with uh, Pauline and Esther. So, oh, wonderful. Th- Adam, thank you so much for your leadership in this, and we invite everyone to be join us all down there at 7.15 this coming Sunday. Uh, yeah, rain, or sh- rain or shine, by the way. I Shalom, look forward my to brother. you there, Barnaby, and, and thank you all so much for having me on. Absolutely. Now, the, the one question I have before we go to break is, I thought we were going to be speaking to Michelle um, Ciccatelli. If we had time. We do have time. Oh, okay. We do have time. We're just playing what's oh, okay. going on because it's appropriate right now, All isn't right. it? Um, so, I don't know. Um, do we have Michelle on the line? I think that she was probably on. Oh, we don't. We've got Pauline on the line. We'll try to circle back to Michelle a little bit later um, and see what we can do. Uh but, yeah, we've got Pauline on the line, and we can actually go rolling right into that conversation right now, or do we need to take a break, Ed? We can go right into the conversation? Fantastic. So, Barnaby, introduce Pauline, please, and Nestor. Um, Pauline and Nestor. So, Pauline uh, Getroyan, I, Getroyan, I hope I said Get- that correctly. Getroyan. <laughs> Very good. You did Getroyan. a great job. And Esther Kalasian. Yep. Yes. Um, the two of you have been helping with the Bornstein Center in this larger idea to create the legislation that Adam spoke about, uh, about the curriculum, which I think is called A Journey from Despair to Hope, the story of uh, the Armenian-Americans of Rhode Island. That's actually a separate project on that. But this is part of this larger effort to have the curriculum in place, correct? Correct, absolutely. 
We're part of the um, Rhode Island Holocaust and Genocide Education Committee, which was formed in response to the... Pauline, can you speak up a little louder into the phone? Sure, sure. We're part of the Rhode Island um, Holocaust and Genocide Education Committee, which was formed in response to the legislation that was passed last year. However, Esther and I have a a lengthy history um, going back to the year 2000 with uh, uh, Holocaust and Genocide Education in particular, um, if you'd like, I can ha- let Esther say a couple of words about oh, that. Oh, absolutely. We'd love to hear us. Hi. I, um, in speaking with you, um, I wanted to let you know, as Pauline had said, our um, for the past 17 years we've been working on our, our motto of remembering our past and educating our future, which came about through the 2000 legislation. Uh, by then-Senator Aram Garabedian, and it was through his foresight and fortitude that he introduced the first piece of legislation, which encouraged Rhode Island educators to include genocide education in our curriculum. Once that that was passed, Pauline and I uh, had held teacher training workshops, uh, education symposium, and had done material development and resources to support our educators in the state. Uh, And and there are uh, several cities and towns at this time that have designated semester courses to the study of genocide um, as far back as then. Uh, But our efforts now uh, continue to have all cities and towns in Rhode Island um, made aware of this important legislation and this important teaching material. Now, Pauline and Esther, both of you, um, the Armenian uh, genocide was another generation earlier. And here you really see the importance of of people speaking about the issue because we have no one currently alive from that. Correct. And you you see these great debates about whether it happened or it didn't happen, but the evidence is quite clear. And uh, this is why something like the Bornstein Center and this larger curriculum is so important. Correct, absolutely. In fact, uh, one of the areas on which we focus um, in genocide education is uh, Dr. E- Dr. Gregory Stanton's Ten Stages of Genocide. Um, it's part of Genocide Watch, and um, the Ten Stages of Genocide are very clear in uh, explaining how a society progresses from, say, classification and symbolization all the way to extermination and then denial. Um, and one of the things that we're seeing today Um, And one of the reasons it's so important to teach this subject matter is what we saw in Charlottesville, as you've been speaking about Mm -hmm. prior to us coming on. Um, And the Armenian Genocide was um, one of the first genocides of the 20th century, actually recognized as the first um, formal genocide of the 20th century. And we feel very strongly that had the Armenian Genocide been uh, recognized, acknowledged, and punished uh, at that time, that perhaps uh, future genocides might have been uh, avoided. And, and on, on that point, Esther, historians have noted that Hitler actually looked at the Armenian genocide uh, as uh, a source of, uh, you know, as a historical moment. Yeah, Yeah, actually, yes. He, he has a very famous quote that um, many people recognize as he was getting his generals ready to invade Poland one of his comments was, who, after all, today remembers the extermination of the Armenians. 
And you know, you talk about those uh, those stages on which a society mixes into uh, into this area. And Charlottesville was capturing one or two of those early stages of objectification, acceptance of hatred, emphasis of difference. You know, it must give you great pause. I'm certainly, I saw a, um, a survivor of uh, one of the of uh, World War II um, really being quite shaken by seeing what happened in Charlotte. Oh, and absolutely. Polarization was very clearly obvious um, uh, in Charlottesville, and it was it was horrifying to those of us who teach this subject matter. We were in shock as we viewed the events. As you know, we better, we better learn from history, otherwise we're going to be destined to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's Absolutely. going on right now, and I, I see it. I see yeah. everything you're talking about and, yeah. and how uh, evil uh, gets rooted. And mm-hmm. Hannah Arendt, uh, whose parents died in the Holocaust, said, uh, uh, said the truth is despotic. Yeah. Therefore, let us hope that the truth will be followed, and it will be despotic in the uh, and uh, terrorize evil. All right, you know, I, I, I'm going to take so a brief sorry. break, we, and we'll be right back to you, Pauline. Yeah, we'll yeah. be right back to you, Pauline and Esther. And we thank you for all this incredible work you do, and we are so looking forward to Sunday. Thank and you. Hearing more, so you hold on for a second. Sure. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And I'm here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire, the Reverend Doctor Richard Dannenfelser, and we're having a very uh, stimulating conversation with Pauline Gitzoyan and Esther Kalasian. We'll be right back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island on AM 790 Talk and Business. Once again, here's your host, Bronwyn Denenfelser. Well, and hello, hello, hello. Boy, do we have a lot going on this weekend. And I want to say, first of all, thank you so much to the Providence Tourism Council. Um, it is because of them that we are able to produce a full water fire lighting for you and our entire community on Sunday, uh, which we rarely do. Actually, I think we only do it once a year. Um, And we've got the great lineup, but more than just being a Labor Day lighting and something for the community, we are celebrating our community and we're celebrating the importance of the Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial, but we're talking about even bigger and more broad things. Um, and we're so lucky to have uh, Pauline Gitzoyan and Esther Collegian on the line. They are from the Bornstein Center and helped to create... I believe, uh, the curriculum, A Journey from Despair to Hope. Um, We've been speaking with them about the Armenian genocide, genocide in general, and how we, um, especially coming from Rhode Island, uh, the the place that uh, was founded by Roger Williams and big on religious tolerance, um, that we all need to be a little bit more tolerant of each other. So, ladies, I want to thank you again for joining us. And, you know, Barnaby, you were just having a wonderful discussion. Uh, Well, it's an important discussion, and Pauline and Esther, I want to talk a little bit because you are also, in addition to all your work with the Genocide Education Project, you um, um, have also been working with more recent uh, issues. Uh, I know um, Shinavi Shine uh, has been working with you about the situation that happened with Cambodia. Are you there? Esther, are you still there? No, oh, maybe they're not there. 
Well, I know they've been working with... You're here. Hello. Oh, okay, there you are. I know yep. you've been working because, uh, unfortunately, we've since had the Cambodian Khmer Rouge um, challenge, and um, you've yep. also been working with this Genocide Education Project with Shinavi Shine yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Actually, we are. Um, many communities are involved. Un- unfortunately, there are too many um, that have been touched by genocide and uh, genocidal acts, and... Uh, the Cambodians are one such community, very prominent in Rhode Island, and Shinabi is very active in this work, working with our committee, the Holocaust and Genocide Education Committee. Uh, we were formed in response to the legislation that just passed last year that will now require the instruction of, of the subjects of Holocaust and Genocide in the curriculum for all middle and high school students here in the state of Rhode Island. And... Uh, Shinabi is definitely very involved with, in helping us provide appropriate curriculum materials, which will then be housed on the Rhode Island Department of Education's website with a special dedicated link for Holocaust and Genocide Studies, something that has not been done before, and the Department of Education here in Rhode Island is working very closely with our committee to ensure that this happens. And this that's is one of the few states that's doing this. Absolutely. There's only about 11 states in the entire country that are requiring such instruction. So we're very proud. Michigan passed a law at around the same time that Rhode Island passed a law requiring this education. So clearly more, and I believe there's at least maybe seven more states that are considering similar legislation. So clearly many states in the country are realizing the significance and the importance of teaching about genocide and the Holocaust. Well, I'd love to thank both of you for joining us on air, and um, we're going to go on to uh, talk to Jim Vincent in a moment, but you were just going to add something? Yes, actually, Esther was going to add something about what our educators focus on, so I'll let her explain a little bit. Uh, one of the points that our Holocaust and Genocide Education Committee is focusing on is providing materials for our educators so that they can create uh, civilized discourse for their students. Free, open, civilized discussion today meets more challenges, as you all know, specifically with many people with their um, individual social media groups. And we're teaching that word choice matters and teaching our students that active speaking, listening attentively, examining all sides of an issue, forming an opinion with an awareness of others' perspectives, and awareness of point of view, all of this is all included within our our curriculum. Which applies to so many things, I mean, for all these subjects. Well, yeah, and you know, Barnaby, as we you know, we look at what we're celebrating and and what we're actually trying to do on Sunday, it's much, broader than just the Armenian genocide, as we talked about. At every point, I think, if we look back through history, there has been some right. sort of persecution, whether it's absolutely. of the Irish or the Native Americans. Yeah. I, so there's always the been this... civil rights struggle, absolutely. I mean, this has been, uh, uh, you know, a challenge in all nations. This is not an American tragedy. This is uh, a tragedy in all nations, and it just points to the necessity of people being organized and consistent and firm in their absolute refusal to let this happen again. Yes, yeah, so I'd like to say, uh, Pauline and Esther, uh, thank you again for joining us. Um, we're going to be talking to Jim Vincent, and I know that we will see you on Sunday. Um, 
But as we do this memorial and, and Pauline and, and Esther and uh, Jim Vincent and Ray Rickman and Shanai and her husband and, and many people from the Jewish community will be on the boat setting alight the fires as we make this larger statement about tolerance and engagement and the strength of a community uniting to not allow ourselves to be divided by hatred. You it's know, after talking with, with you folks, it reminds me, um, reminds me of... Uh, what Jesus said as one of the Beatitudes, and Beatitudes means blessing, is that blessed are the peacemakers before they shall be called the children of God, as well as Dr. King. Mm -hmm. If we do not learn to live together as brothers and sisters, we shall surely die together as fools. And you know what? I know somebody who knows a lot about this and can speak a lot to it, and that's Mr. James Vincent, who I know we have on the line. He's the president of the NAACP in Providence and such an incredible uh, man. So, Jim, are, Jim, are you there? Yes, I am here. Thank you. Hi. Hi. How are Jim, you doing? We're, we're so uh, delighted to have you and so thankful for the work you've been doing for these many, many long years in Rhode Island, and it's so important. So, Thank you for that. So we were just talking about, you know, Jim, um, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. And I'm here with the Reverend Dr. Richard Dannenfelser, who did a lot of work with um, Dr. King uh, and a lot of marches. and uh, but In jail with him. Yeah, you were in jail with him, too. Um, but, you know, what we're trying to talk about here is the broader picture of, you know, how we deal with what's happened in Charlottesville, how we learn from the lessons of our past and history. And, again, that it's... It seems to have, you know, it's it's not just isolated towards one group. It, it seems to keep, the wheel keeps moving, let's put it that way. Um, Jim, what do you see happening? And, and, and what, do, what are your thoughts on, you know, equality and tolerance as we look here in Rhode Island and as we look in the nation in general? Well, you know, I, fortunately in Rhode Island, it seems like we, we, we seem to be more tolerant than in a lot of other places. But we can't, we can't uh, rest on our laurels. We have to constantly be vigilant. Because things that happen in other parts of the country can happen here. So we must be unified and we must speak with one voice in terms of that we would not accept intolerance and bigotry and hatred in our state. And I think that, you know, things like Water Fire bringing together all the different communities, I think, makes a powerful statement that uh, not here uh, will we ever accept anything uh, resembling what we saw in Charlotte. Yeah, and it's important for everyone to be there. I mean, the NAACP has been looking at one of people have called the original sin of uh, America, this issue of slavery and how it has fractured the nation and the ongoing challenge of it for 200 years. Uh, and the NAACP has been an absolute leader and a clarion voice in this, and I want to thank you for that. And I, I know we've talked about the World War II memorial, but... The issue of, uh, of bigotry and hatred and the privation that comes because of uh, bigotry is something that you guys have been fighting for 200 years. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to continue to fight. Uh, it's, it's sad that, you know, some of the same uh, issues that we talked about 50 years ago and now uh, we, we have to talk about again. It seems like history is repeating itself. And, you know, we, we remain vigilant and we have uh, allies that, that are on the line and in the community, and so we're thankful for that because we, uh, the communities, have always been unified when it comes to fighting bigotry. Uh, as as you know, as those who walk with King and were jail with King, it was a, a very, a very uh, diverse uh, community that really fought that kind of hatred. It was always yep. that way, and and I'm glad that it continues to be important that we have uh, this unity. 
Well, that's the spirit of why we wanted to invite the community to just come together. And we'll be doing this rain or shine. I know uh, at 7.15 we're having, asking everyone to gather at the Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial um, and just to ex- express their solidarity for the message that's enshrined in the need to make that memorial and in the work that all of you have been doing. And, Jim, you'll be joining us on the boat to help set these fires of hope and uh, enlightenment yeah. uh, on the river as well, and we're very grateful for that. Well, I'm grateful to be, to be asked, uh, you know, so I... I, I Thank you for uh, taking up and inviting me. Well, you know, is there any further thought? I know when I saw Charlottesville, I had this feeling that I thought we were so much further along in this battle. <laughs> and I think everyone had that feeling. And it just it, it reiterates the need that it's, you just, it's, it's not something you ever win. You just have to constantly be on guard for this. There's something new that's happening in Charlottesville beside the evil that is being done. And that is that a number of people who, in fact, I have talked to, as well as some of my colleagues have talked to, is that the, uh, the enemy okay, is, um, is relatively well-trained because some of them are, fortune, uh, are former military veterans, mm-hmm. yep. uh, and they, they are armed. Yes. But do we find that here, and Jim, maybe you can answer this the best way, and we are a very tolerant state for the most part. What are some of the challenges that you continuously see here in Rhode Island that we need to make sure remain on people's um, watch and, and that we, we, we constantly um, keep it in, in the front of our faces so that we don't forget? Well, I mean, we, 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 we do see instances of hatred and bigotry even in Rhode Island. So, I mean, I don't want to think that I don't want to say that we don't. Uh, we 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 are constantly being challenged with uh, with issues of police brutality and and other things. But we just need to be mindful of the fact that uh, we have to stay vigilant here uh, because it can things can get out of out of hand. Uh, people now are, are feeling that they can act out that it's okay and that political correctness is a thing of the past. And so we we need to really be vigilant right now, especially. And I think that uh, this this discussion and I think the water fire and what's going to happen Sunday. You know, it's much, uh, it's timely, it's much needed, and we, we just have to not get too smug and think that, no, it can't happen in Rhode Island because we are different kinds of people. No, it can happen anywhere, and we have to be really vigilant. And I think we've got to start um, rather young. I mean, the, these are values that we need to establish with our children in our school systems. And, Jim, do you see a lot of that happening, that there's some programming, especially literally in our elementary schools, to, so that, you know, that this bigotry and this hatred does not start at such a young age. I mean, and, and that tolerance is the actual thought and the plan to move forward and what we teach our children when it comes to values. Well, we sorry for employment because what really uh, what really saddens me more than anything is that if you look at the people that were marching in um, and uh, in Charlottesville, especially Friday night, and talk, talking about how Jews were not replaced, us, they predominantly were people in their twenties. Yeah. They were young right. men. Yeah. They weren't people in their fifties and sixties and seventies that that people say, well, they're all set in their ways, and when they die out, we're going to have the Shangri-La. No, these are people that were under thirty. That, right. that, that exemplified a hatred and bigotry that I haven't seen in decades. So what's, what's up with that? What, what's going on where somebody in their 20s has that kind of rage and hatred for anybody, let alone uh, Jewish people or black people? Because, because it's, it's, ro- it's somewhat rooted in our culture. Yeah. And, you I know, we better, we better learn to be merciful because we all live at each other's mercy. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. 
you know, um, Richard pointed out one thing that was new, which was the military training of some of the people there, and I don't know whether it was real. I saw some veteran paraphernalia. I do know the 82nd Airborne was absolutely outraged to see someone wearing their insignia when they had lost so many people in World War II and fighting the Nazis, and that was uh, very interesting to see that discussion within the veterans I also community. saw, I, you know, I also saw a, a, a 101st yeah. Airborne. right. And which, you know, is, which is which is incited in in Kentucky. Exactly. Yeah. And and the other thing that's new, as you know, we have parents around the nation expecting the president to be an example that they could help use as a useful teaching device with their children, and he's not setting the example we would expect. As he's parents setting an or example hugely yes, the other way, the wrong way. And that's partially why Waterfire felt you know all of us need to step into this uh, this silence. And reach out to our, our partners, our friends. I mean, the, the, Jim, you for example, but the the Bornstein Center, the uh, Holocaust Memorial, and we cannot be silent. And that's why we thought that this Sunday was a time to gather people together. So we're so pleased to have your participation and all the work you're already doing. Well, blessings on Waterfire for bringing that together. Yeah, and, and Lauren, as um, as we look to what's going to happen, and I'm sorry to interrupt, um, Jim, um, but is there going to be different sorts of music that's going to be representing all of these we, different we cultures? Will be, yes, we will be uh, including music specifically at the lighting on uh, from many of these of uh, these cultures and um, yeah, and more beyond as well. Uh, Jim, you were just about to say something. Well, I was uh, just uh, getting ready to say that um, uh, it is timely and it is great that we're all coming together right now, that there is a climate now that, uh, you know, it's okay to, to expose your bigotry, your bias. Uh, uh, and it starts at the top, so I think that we, when you say that it's being, it's being tolerated, yeah, it's aggressively being tolerated because, uh, you know, it's being exploited, you know, for political gain, political personal gain, and mm-hmm. really absolutely what's going on. And, uh, you know, it, 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 you, the president has used whoever to, to, to further his own agenda, and uh, we have to be mindful of that. Uh, and there's something else that's different. Um, we have the Internet, and the Internet is this sort of echo chamber, quiet space where people feel they can say things that are, um, um, you know, not being heard by others, but they are multiplied in a deep way. So we have uh, this other issue we need to talk about. And in fact, you know, the very symbolism of Waterfire is this act of um, our setting a light um, and enlightening the community and using light as a metaphor for positive construction. So it, you know, it was disturbing to see the torches in uh, University of Virginia where they've sort of stolen what was a sacred um, tradition of uh, celebration of Promethean invention and uh, this, uh, this, this torch of knowledge and uh, this mark of a community being able to do something uh, and to suddenly see them sort of you know, st- steal that symbolism and turn it into a weapon of hate and it's true of almost anything that, that you know, any symbol so and I, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, we're, again, it's, it's starting from the top and it's going down, but we've got to start early and we've got to create programs and, and create awareness. And well, as we're going to talk a little bit more about, Barney, let's let, let's let people know what we're doing. We, we talked about things in general, mm-hmm. but really at that 715 moment, you, you said you want to bring people together. No speaking program. Right. Uh, but um, 
so I know at the Holocaust Memorial, um, the one beautiful thing that I've seen happen on Water Fire Nights is people come and they add their own sure. piece. Yeah, they well, they put know, the marbles on. Well, Can you explain the symbolism of we, that? We should mention that um, um, was, is we're going straight through. We're going oh, we're going to go straight through. Okay, yep. good. Jim, I hope you'll stay on. We were going to have Ray Rickman join us, but we haven't been able to find it. We don't. We don't, we don't have Ray, but we've got it, we've got Rob, uh, who is he um, oh. also part of Stages of Freedom, and I believe he's on the oh, line oh, okay. too. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, good. Uh, well, we'll bring Rob in. That's great. Um, the memorial, if you'll remember it, it was sta starred, um, designed by Jonathan Bonner. And uh, the central element is what he calls the life stone, which is a large white stone. And then there's a curving path that goes through the greenery. And there's a long-standing um, Jewish tradition of placing a small pebble on a grave as a um, sort of pledge to never forget, as a physical act in real time now to remember and to make a commitment to remember. And we, um, um, with, with the discussion of uh, 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 several rabbis to, to make sure we had this interpreted correctly. Mm -hmm. um, we invite the public as they walk through that memorial to pick up a glass pebble and to place it on the life stone as a statement of their own personal resolve that hatred will not be part of our community and that we will not forget this. And we don't explain it. We let the crowd explain it to each other. And this is sort of what this silent ceremony will be about. We will be uh, having the community gathering in a circle around the memorial and we will have some children of the survivors so the like the third generation post-world war ii they will take the lanterns from the people in the circle and place them to mark the path and then we will invite everyone to just pass through the memorial and pick up one of those pebbles and place it on the life stone as their simple affirmation that never again that all of these battles the civil rights battle the the uh, sexual rights battle, the Native Americans' position, the remembrance of the travails that the Irish had when they came here, and it's all the way up through Cambodia, and this is an ongoing, ever-standing position that we all must have as members of our community and as citizens. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Barnaby, because as you were speaking, and, and I, I was thinking about Dr. Danenfelser, the Reverend Dr. Danenfelser, when you were at Brown, always known as a very progressive university. Um, <laughs> because that's you. the way that's to put it, right? That's being very kind. <laughs> when you were there, now, I, it's very curious because I know that you headed up a lot of rallies um, having to do uh, with, just as Barnaby was saying, the sexual revolution that was happening, which included persecution at points. And there's still a sexual revolution happening now as we look at our. Um, Gosh, our transgender community and our gay and lesbian community. It's a um, sexuality revolution. It's mm -hmm. a, there's a sexual right. revolution happening. So there's all these different ways of looking at it. When you were at Brown, that was in, mostly in the 60s and the 70s, right? Going up into maybe 1980, 81? I left in 1981. So do you see anything... What were the main things that were happening then, and do you see them, therefore, reflected now? Uh, yeah, be because the issues that you mentioned okay are, are still are still there okay they may be a bit more subtle but they're still there H. Rap right. Brown said something I will never forget back when I was at Brown and H. Rap Brown says that um, in terms of this country uh, and I would imagine that it's also relevant uh, that uh, violence is as American as cherry pie and it it takes different forms Mm -hmm. But violence only begets violence. Right. 
So you see the same thing happening. Same, the same issues are there. You know, and it's interesting because we have on the line somebody. Um, we've got Rob from the Stages of Freedom. Uh, is going to tell us a little bit about what what they're doing. Because um, I I see these emails come through all the time, sure. and I I wish I could get to see more of the performances that are happening. I know I think Rose Weaver is often very yes. involved. Well, we know. there are a lot of things. I mean, that's an organization that I'm sure Rob will talk about. Is Rob here? Rob, are you on the line? Well, it's an organization which is uh, focused on trying to. Oh, I think we lost Rob. But trying to bring more attention to the um, the Black Rhode Island experience, to do programming and to talk in general about that. And they have a new office, which is at uh, I think Ten Way Bossett Street, which is going to be open that night. It's the intersection of Way Bossett, just past Memorial Boulevard, uh, right there where we have the the Turks Head Ballroom, and the. Um, they'll be open till 9.30 that night, so that's a place to go visit. You can see more about their programs, more about their exhibitions. It's something that Ray Rickman and Rob have been working on for, for some time. And I think, and we, we, I think Rob just joined oh, us. Good, good. Rob, are you there? Yeah, I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, we, I can hear can you now. Hear you. Yeah, I got, I got disconnected, I guess. <laughs> well, we're glad that we've got you back, and we were just talking about Stages of Freedom. For people out there that might be listening that are not aware of the organization, can, can you give us a little bit of a background and you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Stages of Freedom, uh, to begin with, my name is Rob Dimmick. I'm uh, program director and co-founder of Stages of Freedom with Ray Ray. Um, We're a little more than a year old at this point and um, newly situated in uh, the Merchants Bank at 10 Westminster Street, right on the river, um, which that space now includes a museum of African-American history specifically related to Rhode Island, currently showing um, Do Lord Remember Me, the Black Church in Rhode Island, which is an extraordinary glimpse into um, African-American spirituality from its earliest foundings here in Rhode Island, um, right through the um, elevation of Bishop um, Jeffrey Williams um, last summer at Grace uh, Cathedral. So Stages of Freedom essentially has three missions. One is to tell the story, um, the rich and exciting story of African-American life in Rhode Island. Um, Second is to raise funds in any possible way to put children of color in swimming lessons, to drive down the incidence of extraordinary drownings that occur in our state um, with uh, African-American and Latino children. And um, third is to engage our youth at every level possible. So we, you know, we uh, offer uh, every year two etiquette programs, one for um, young girls of color that teaches them how to take tea, and through that process at the Lippitt Mansion on the east side, they learn um, how to uh, sit That's at a table, how to um, talk to perhaps people they've never met before. We do a work, uh, workshop called Bow Ties for Boys, which teaches young men of color, essentially using the bow tie as a yeah, symbol of a symbol getting your act together how to shake a hand, make eye contact, have a conversation with an elder. I probably um, so need to attend both of these. I was going to say, uh, Barnaby's going to send <laughs> me to the tea. Yeah. <laughs> I need to attend both of these. But <laughs> that's, go, go see Bob Bird. That, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great program. Thank, Rob, I didn't mean to introduce, uh, interrupt you there, but yes, no, continue. Um, so, you know, what, what we are about now is um, engaging in this extraordinary sort of gift shop that we've created, um, which is about a third of our space. Everything in that space has been donated by people who understand and get what we do, and every sale um, pays for swimming lessons. Right. Um, so we have art, we have books, we have bric-a-brac, we have small furnishings. It's, it's just an extraordinary um, sort 
sort of assemblage of, of wonderful things that um, people seem to be completely engaged with when they walk in the space. And when we say why we're here, you know, that when you buy something, you're helping pay for a swimming lesson. You, you just see uh, the sort of light go on in people's eyes and in their minds. Um, and it's, it's a totally engaging sort of moment for them to realize that, you know, just by purchasing a book or a piece of art, Absolutely. they're contributing to something that is um, changing lives. Well, more than changing lives, it's also saving lives. I think when you mention the swimming lessons, you mentioned it briefly, but um, we have a tragic loss of young people who don't know how to swim in the black and the Latino community, and it's so easily resolved. And it's just from lack of opportunity for them to have ever had swimming lessons. So this is, it's changing lives and it's saving lives. Yes, and, and you know, as, as we, you know, we do a lot of fundraising, you know, with individuals and corporations and, and foundations, you know, and helping them understand that you know when they give their dollars, they are they are indeed saving lives, but they're also changing lives. When you take a, you know, a young child of color and place them in a essentially all white YMCA, where they learn how to swim, you're you're changing that space. You're you're giving the opportunity for white people to interact with a person of color, and you're giving them a chance to see the wider world, shall we say? You know, it's it's uh, it's a shame to say that we still live in a largely segregated. Um, community. Well, Rob, thank you so, so much, and, and I'm sorry that I'm going to have to cut you short, because it's so fascinating what you're doing, and, and I encourage people to look up Stages of Freedom and to visit. Uh, and it'll be open until 9.30 this coming Sunday, so we absolutely want to be there. we run out of time. Yeah. Rob, Thank you Jim, so much Pauline, for joining us. Esther, Adam, all of you, thank you so much. And thank the you. Reverend Dr. Dan and Well, let's not you. also, I see a lot of hope going on in that, uh, in terms of we are becoming, we are becoming aware of the evil that is flourishing, and we have to live, as Bishop Tutu says, we have to live as prisoners of hope. All right, everybody, so we hope to see you down by the riverside and in Memorial Park this Sunday. Happy Labor Day weekend, and we are looking forward to seeing you at Waterfire. Thanks, Barnaby, for being an incredible co-host, as always. Great to see you, Barnaby. Richard, great to see you, and thank you to all our guests. Yes. So, rain or shine, uh, this coming Sunday, That's May 3rd. We'll be down or by September the river. September 3rd, September 3rd. Yeah, what, am I yeah. <laughs> what month are you in? We'll see everybody down by the river. Thank you for listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM 790.